Welcome to Get Hired in Cybersecurity with your host, Io Adiojo. Make sure to follow me on LinkedIn for more tips and advice, and feel free to message me if you need more information on how to get into cyber. I'd love to help you on your journey, and I do offer one-on-one services and coaching. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get Hired in Cybersecurity. Today, we have another special guest, George McPherson. How are you today? Thanks for joining. Hey, uh, yo, uh, thank you for having me on the show. I'm doing good. Excellent. Excellent. Glad we made the time uh, to do this. Uh, really excited. So I guess for, for our listeners, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself? You, I know you, well, I guess I'll, I'll give a little introduction, but you, you work uh, currently in cyber threat intelligence before you did a bit of uh, uh, incident response. You also have a, a podcast called Black Cyber Podcast. You're a book author. Um, books, how I got into cybersecurity and why you should too, and also a fiction, Black Hat Redemption, the Recon Mission Book One. Um, so a lot of years of experience and, and a lot of great things. Uh, so I guess you can elaborate more on that for our listeners. Gotcha. Um, uh, like you said, my name's George McPherson. I'm um, from originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, went to the military. <clears throat> Was in for about 15 years. Uh, Army, Air Force, and then kind of went back to Army Reserves. Uh, got out and got into the uh, Signal Corps, um, or was in the Signal Corps in the Army and got out and got into telecommunications. Did that for about 14 years. Uh, kind of got tired of climbing, climbing telephone poles and crawling, uh, crawling uh, tight crawl spaces. So got into IT, <clears throat> and I think. I was pretty lucky. Um, within a year of being in IT, I was able to transition into IT security, and I've been in IT security for about eight years now. Um, and I am back in Charlotte, North Carolina, in my uh, hometown, or right right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, like you said, I've I've did a couple uh, audible books. Uh, one was a um, nonfiction. How did I get in the uh, cybersecurity and why you should too. Um, it's just something I wanted to put out because I, I thought I had a pretty unique experience and at the same time uh, experience that still could relate to other people, other people's journey. So I definitely wanted to put that out because it was a pretty unique, but you know, somebody could relate to it uh, getting into the industry. So definitely wanted to put that out. Um, the other book was um was kind of a fiction that I put out during uh, COVID-19. Um, just kind of had my imagination flowing. Uh, so I put that out. It was about a uh, guy that was a hacker um, in uh, Nigeria. And he, he kind of wanted to go legit and kind of got out of the organization and kind of got in the bug bounty and was on kind of on the good side and kind of got pulled back in. Um, and it, it has a COVID-19 twist built in the storyline. I don't want to give too much away on that. Uh, but yeah, put, put those out. I have the, uh, podcast as well. Uh, black cyber, uh, spelt, uh, no C B L A K, uh, cyber, uh, just geared towards, uh, bringing more African Americans into cybersecurity and, and really anybody, uh, can use it, to, uh, that's trying to get into cybersecurity. Excellent. But that's pretty much it. 
Awesome, awesome. A lot to unpack here and, and a lot of great things we, we could talk about. Awesome. I guess first for, for our listeners, what was your journey like into cybersecurity at the time? Uh, I know it's really new now. It's, it's the hot thing. Um, there's lots of tools, but back then, you know, um, how was it like getting into the field? And you said you got kind of got lucky and, and yeah, why, why do you feel you kind of got lucky getting in so early? Um, and, and I, and I say, I say lucky, um, they say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I think that's really what it was because I put a, a lot of hard work in. Uh, getting into the industry, but I got in the industry probably about, um, I went back to school for IT in uh, 2012, uh, was able to um, get my network plus, that's that's the first one I took aim at, uh, because I came from the telecom field and, and that network plus kind of has a lot of that in there. So I said that would be a really good overlap as far as kind of studying for that, um, Cyber, I mean, not cybersecurity, but studying for that network. Plus, it was a lot of things from telecom is like the uh, cable pairs, uh, the protocols. Uh, and I just had to do a little bit of studying and, and I did that uh, in 2013. Got my first um, IT job um, kind of doing desktop reimaging. And as I was taking the A plus, I noticed that. I scored highest on the uh, security areas and I kind of got curious about the security side. And um, before that, I thought I wanted to be a network engineer. But once I started, um, got that bug, I kind of switched to the security side. And that's when I kind of dived in. And my next uh, certification was Security Plus. Um, actually self-studied for that, kind of found found some resources online. At that point, I had a I had the network plus and a plus under my belt. So I kind of had a little bit experience studying for, um, cyber, uh, studying for it certifications. So I said, let me give it a try. I had heard, uh, bad stories about boot camps, um, overcharging, um, not getting the results you wanted. Um, and that's, that's not to knock all boot camps. I'm sure there's some good ones out there, but in my case, I want, to, um, I was still working. I took a setback getting into IT, kind of took a pay cut, was trying to build myself back up. So uh, tried to stay on a budget, found some uh, resources online, self-study for about two or three weeks for the Security Plus. And um, I was able to uh, get certified in that and, you know, just kept working, kept reading books, uh, kept trying to get my knowledge up, uh, got my first uh, interview for security, um, for security role. And I think it was a mid security role, but I think um, the team or the hiring manager was so impressed with me or wanted to give me a chance basically that they kind of downgraded it to a uh, junior security position and, and that's how I got in. Um, but yeah, I say, I say it was luck, but it, it was a lot of hard work put in trying to get to that point. Uh, but I think having the security plus and my, um, work ethic and and my um the common sense that i felt like uh, they felt like i, I brought to the table kind of made me uh kind of help help the manager make the decision to give me that chance so got it e excellent answer yeah and well said on, on on luck being you know preparation meeting opportunity 
Um, there's a lot of preparation involved with, with being, um, oh, yeah. you know, re- getting ready for these roles. And um, I guess I wanted to kind of build off of that. Um, what would you kind of suggest those looking to get in um, to expect on, on their journey into cybersecurity? Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> that's a, that's a that's a good question. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna say this in a delicate way. Expect to be frustrated, <laughs> and and I say that only only for the reason. Um, I only say that because it's so much to learn in cybersecurity. But that's the good part about it. And when you get in, there's so much to learn. You never get bored. There's always a challenge. Um, but I think what what excites people about getting into cybersecurity is also what kind of feels daunting as they get into it. There's so many domains, so many ways you can go down. And even when you concentrate on one area, um, it can be overwhelming because you have to learn so much, learn so much about systems, learn so much about technology because you to learn to defend something. You have to learn about that actual piece of technology. Um, but I, I think my advice would be just just to start um, to start with something simple like security plus um, you're not going to learn all that you need to know overnight I I think we can both vouch that even when you're in the industry you're never going to learn you're going to stop learning you're learning every day you feel frustrated about what you don't learn but you, you'll see that progress so I, I think my advice is just uh, to get started take a small step uh, maybe um, start with security plus start start with the <clears throat> because it's so daunting and uh, so complex start with the fundamentals start with the building blocks and just kind of build your way up from there and you'll definitely see that hard work uh, start to pay off over time excellent well, well said and yeah I, I definitely agree um, with just um, taking it in, in bite-sized chunks uh, because if if you're kind of exposed to everything at once, it can it can be daunting, and that's what happens when you know you see the whole course list and you're a bit uh, intimidated, and then you just say, you know what, um, this isn't for me, and, and yeah, pre- prepare prepare to be frustrated, like you said. I even added that, um, prepare to be uncomfortable, and I think another notion is that you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable in, in this industry especially because it's it's just things are just changing so rapidly and um yeah but it, it's it's a good it's definitely a good uh a good pathway one thing i want to ask too because you seem to have um a lot of technical knowledge before you even got into cybersecurity, and maybe not necessarily um it related things but even just the concepts were technical right with your signaling in, in the uh, in the military, and then your cabling. So you kind of had that experience of, of, of just technical, logical type work. Um, what would you say to those that maybe don't have that IT background um, and are maybe may a bit behind the eight ball in terms of their prior knowledge, right? Because you were able to do the Network Plus quite well, the A Plus, and then it was kind of a smoother, smooth transition um, into security since you scored so highly. Uh, what would you say to those that don't have any technical experience or background and maybe just be, are transitioning from another role? I would say um, 
don't let that discourage you um, because there's so many things to do in um, cybersecurity. I mean, take um, cyber threat intelligence, for instance. Um, if you come from like a, a journalism uh, background, that can be just like the perfect opportunity because you already have the tools that you need in place. Like when you're a journalist, you investigate cases, you investigate sources, you make sure it's reliable. Um, you present those cases, you learn how to be on camera, <clears throat> you learn how to present those topics. So you just take that for cyber threat intelligence and you just add the cyber to it. You start investigating cyber topics, um, threat intel, you learn, you look, I mean, you already know how to do investigations. You just doing it from a cyber perspective. You already know how to present. So I think that's a good way to kind of transition. Um, if you're an English major or, or, or something like that, you may, you may want to go to the security policy side. I mean, a lot of people in security don't like writing policy and diving into that. So uh, we definitely can use people that, that's interested in kind of re rewriting security policy. Um, so there's a lot of areas where you can go in. It doesn't have to be the super technical areas. Um, and even with the the technical areas, I still wouldn't get discouraged. Um, you just got to start from, like I said, from just take small steps. Um, and, and then another thing I would say, if if you're reading stories and, and you're motivated to get in and there's something motivating you, like you want to stop the hackers, you want to see bad things stop happening, you obviously have a passion for this industry. So that having that passion is, is, is going to really fuel you um, throughout your career. So I wouldn't get too discouraged about, about the technical. To be honest, the technical is easy. I think the the part about cybersecurity that gets hard is the strategic part of it. Knowing what to block, when to block, who needs to block it, what's the urgency, what has the most risk. When you start making those decisions, those are the kind of higher level decisions. But learning something technical, even if you didn't start out technical, I don't think that's, I think all you have to do is get started. I, I definitely agree um, with that. I mean, I think back to my math classes, where if you learn the equation, whatever algebraic equation or calculus equation one time, you do a few practice questions, you, you got it. Um, and, you know, I, I believe everybody, you know, can get through it, some quicker, some longer, but once you get it first time, second time, you know, you get the ball rolling, right? Um, but with the more creative aspects of things, like you're talking about with strategy, um, operations, risk assessment, right? Um, that's a really creative, that's a creative um, side of things, right? Uh, you're using the data, but that that takes uh, multiple data points and, and there's stakeholders in that. So that could be, uh, I, I do agree that that's definitely more difficult, um, especially when um, non-technical personnel is involved too, budgets are involved. Uh, it's a lot to balance, right? Uh, because if the budget's not large enough, then we can't manage the risk we, the way we want to. So how can we still do it in a way that's effective, right? Um, I feel a lot of the times um, in, in kind of the technical roles, like 
the but th those discussions are not really uh, close by, and it could it could seem th there could be a disconnect between the two. So I'm, I'm really happy you talked about that as well as passion too. Um, which you know it, it it might not come instantly to those who get their first job. It might take a few um, roles to really find that role that you're passionate about. That all the experience you had before helps you do better, right? So there's definitely some patience needed there. So great, great to hear. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, your podcast for a minute, um, Black Cyber Podcast. What inspired you to um, start the podcast and, um, yeah, create it? Um, what it, what inspired me is is conversations like this, like we're having. It's like I kind of caught that bug. I was on YouTube and I was just getting into different podcasts and getting entrenched in the conversation. And it was getting into deep topics. And it's almost addictive. You like you watch one podcast. You're like, Oh, that was pretty good. You know, you know, some are better than others. Um, but the good ones you kind of get into and and, and you kind of realize it's like that that conversation. You started br bringing out different topics more organically than uh some type of structured talk when it's more like uh just a more like an intimate setting laid back uh setting so i was like let me give this a try let me let me, let me start a podcast and i want to have these conversations i, I want to bring people on that um are mentors role models and let people get um that view of the industry and, and let's kind of have some organic conversations and um you know i had of course i had you know planning i would i would ask structured questions that i planned but you know if i had some organic questions to ask just kind of let the conversation flow and then you would usually come out out with something you didn't even know you was going to get when when before the podcast started so um that's why i started and that's why uh I definitely like the concept of it. I've been proud of it. Um, and I, I think my guests, shout out to my guests that have been on the uh, Black Cyber Podcast. I think they've really made it shine just having, just me identifying those people that would be good guests on there and having them come on and kind of drop some jewels and, and, and you know, put that knowledge out to the audience. So uh, I've had good feedback from the podcast and oh man, it's it's been an amazing journey. I'm glad I did it. So. Excellent. Yeah, it's great to hear. Um, I know it's difficult to be consistent with things like this. So, you know, great on you for, for keeping up with it and just providing that value to listeners. Um, yeah, I definitely link to that in the description as well. And um, yeah, awesome. Awesome. And, and I guess with, um, you know, this whole, we only make up 3% of the uh information security analysts um so what's your take on that and what reasons do you believe that that is <clears throat> that is um that's an interesting question um i, I would say i say one take on that is probably just not knowing that it's reaching not knowing that um we can get into a field like this not knowing that um we can make an impact 
Um, just I think the first step is knowing that it's possible. And that's why we have podcasts like yours and mine. And we have people on LinkedIn all the time, you know, trying to get people into the industry, um, trying to bring awareness to it. <clears throat> that that's 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 one of the main things I would say. Um Yeah, I haven't seen I, I would say I wouldn't I'd, I'd have to I haven't seen a lot of red tape Not a lot, but I, I would say the main issue is Just believing that you can exist in this industry That is something you can do um, Knowing how to get in So I definitely agree. Yeah, I personally haven't felt any red tape, and um, I guess there's a, a barrier in terms of knowledge of what's out there and what's available. Oh, um, yeah. Which, uh, which is it's quite a gap, I would say. So, yeah, it's great we touched on that. I know there's many, but I know we could we could uh, just touch on one now, which is a it's a great point that you make. Um, I wanted to talk about. Um, for those listening as well, I know you had an experience recently with incident response. Um, for those that don't know what it is or what that entails, could you kind of give a breakdown of what working in incident response looks like? Um, yeah, I, I'll give a kind of a quick, um, maybe definition or just the way it kind of works. Uh, incident responses, um, if we break it, break down the the words, if you, you take an incident, if an event happens on a network, it, it may be nothing or, but if the event looks like something that can be harmful or cause a threat, that's that that's gonna um, lead to an investigation. So with incident response, you may be working in a SOC environment and that's a security operations center uh, where you have eyes on glass, you have um, analysts at different levels and you may have some engineers to kind of support those um, SOC functions and SIM functions. But basically, uh, with incident response, you're basically going to be investigators. Uh, you're going to triage alerts in the SIM. Um, and the SIM is, for people that don't know, it's the security information event management uh, system. And that's just where they can see all the alerts in a central area. And you just kind of do investigations. Um, based on what you see going on, it could be a security violation from an individual or it could be some malware on the system. Um, and, you, and you do investigations to see the impact of what's going on. Uh, did it get blocked? Uh, did it get through? Uh, what was the impact? How bad was it? Um, what other tasks do we need to do to get it under control? Uh, do we need to block IPs? Um, do we need to track some hashes uh, in the network? Uh, just things of that nature. Just just responding to uh, just trying to keep bad things from happening or uh, bubbling up on a network. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, I guess our things and, and our, our listeners might not be privy to this, but like the, the Mitra attack framework and the cyber kill chain are, are things like that implemented in incident response? They are is um, and I I have uh, definitely have experience with the cyber kill chain. I have a uh, little bit of experience with the uh, 
the mitre attack. Uh, I definitely love that framework. Um, let's back up to the um, cyber kill chain. That's a more simplistic way. It's just a straight up and down, uh, starting with recon, and then you kind of go through the system and go through the different areas. It's just conceptually, especially for new analysts, it's a it's a good way to see um, how bad or how far the attacker has gotten into the system. So if, you, if you're investigating something and it kind of lines up with a certain area, okay. Okay, they're just doing scanning. Um, but how far did that scanning get? Did it get blocked? Um, did it get to some um, internal systems? And then it's okay, you step through, it's like that they get to a certain point. It's, it's just a good, it's a good philosophy for um, incident responders and security analysts to kind of just keep that workflow and keep that mentality 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 um as they're doing their investigation um with the the miter attack oh that's i love that because you can kind of that kind of breaks down in just each attack level starting out and then you can kind of click and it'll go down a lane based off what type of initial attack that was to see how you know you the attacker would go through the network. So when you're doing an investigation, that's 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 valuable to kind of have that visualization and actually, you know, kind of coach yourself because we're not all perfect. We don't know it all. Uh, we have documents. We have training. Uh, we try to do on the job training. Um, but that that framework can kind of can help you catch things you might not catch, you know, kind of just kind of keep that baseline like a training parameter so i i definitely those are two two great tools to use actually i would definitely start with the cyber attack first if anybody's haven't heard of any one of those please start with the cyber attack first because i don't fully understand the uh the uh miter quite yet but i love it because it's fascinating it's more complex you have to dive into it. yeah yeah I, I definitely agree um what we're talking about, I guess if our listeners don't know, is these, these frameworks uh, basically um, assist with identifying how far along an attack has gone. And, and they really identified it, like you said in the beginning, first an attacker has to do some recon, right? So that information is valuable to teams because um, it lets them know where the risk is or how much risk is being taken on at the current moment. And it's, it's correlated with incident response, right? How do you, how do you respond to recon? versus how do you respond to an exploitation. Um, so it's great. I definitely recommend um, to check into the um, cyber kill chain first. It's simpler. What's interesting too is that even on the uh, the open market side, like clients are wanting to kind of have that intelligence of where along the kill chain any attacks are. They want that context. Um, instead of just saying, you know, you got this many scans in your network and or this is exploited, like following those, that model is something that clients want more and more. So um, that's definitely going to be a hot topic you know, for time to come. So great. Thanks for touching on that, too. Um, and then uh, I wanted to talk about this, too. I just had a discussion with a coworker uh, regarding uh, threat intelligence and, and threat hunting. Um, I guess one thing 
uh, is there a difference between threat intelligence and threat hunting? Um, and what would that be? Gotcha. Um, they, um, to answer your question, they are different, um, but they do coincide. You're going to use your cyber threat intelligence. That's basically intel, what you find out from the outside of the organization, what's affecting your organization, what's affecting your industry. And you basically, um, you take that information. Cyber threat intelligence is going to serve different roles. So you're going to take that information and for one, you're going to present it to uh, different people that need to know about it in your organization. You're going to present it to executives. Uh, you're going to present it to your incident response and SOC teams. You're going to uh, present it to business leaders and they're going to use that in different ways. That's that's going to be different ways is an executive is going to take that information and plus you're going to present that information differently as well. You're going to have to talk in a different language to present it. Um, the executives are going to take that information one way. Um, your SOC is going to lean more to the more technical information and use that to uh, to uh, to respond. But for the uh, for the threat hunting side, when you do that proactive, that's that's now that's the difference between threat hunting and incident response. They're basically kind of the same thing, but uh, threat hunting is proactive. So you would take that cyber threat intelligence and feed that into your threat hunting. And that's a way to kind of, at least we hope, kind of get ahead of attackers and see what's going on and and kind of search the uh, network for any badness before it's, uh, before it's gotten too bad, so. Excellent, great, great. Um, so I guess with threat hunting, um, and I've seen a lot more of these like I've seen threat intelligence kind of split. I don't know if it's recent, but I've seen that that split of roles between threat intelligence and then just threat hunting as well. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a, it's a new thing, but I definitely see that that uh, a split. Um, so, what would you say to those that are interested in getting into threat intelligence or threat hunting? Um, you know, what skills would they need, and uh, how can they succeed, or what can they look into to learn more about it? Um, skills they would need is uh, definitely investigative skills, uh, being inquisitive, um, you know, and a way to kind of practice that is maybe reading some security articles and kind of keying into different things that the security article is talking about. If it has some uh, CVEs, which has to do with your that's your uh, vulnerability number. Um, you can read up on that vulnerability and see if that affects your industry. Um, you can uh, find out the tactics and the tactics are usually even more important than kind of like getting IPs and hashes. Uh, getting the tactics, that behavior of the attacker can be even more valuable. Um, and especially like just really having that investigative nature like if you if you find a security article or something or security incident or release that's talking about um, the government um, industry and you're in government, that's definitely going to apply to you. You're going to definitely uh, key into that. Um, if it's talking about financial and you're on the financial side, that's when you know that's kind of 
So you got to learn how to definitely kind of read um, your intel, whether it applies to you, um, whether that's something you should be thinking about that affects your industry first and then definitely affects your um, organization. So I would definitely say um, investigative skills, being inquisitive. It's really the skills you use to be a security analyst is pretty much the same thing with um, uh, being in cyber threat intelligence. But what I would add to that is probably being more proactive about investigations, more proactive about finding out the threats before they hit the organization. Um, presentation skills, work on your presentation skills. Uh, work on your writing skills. Uh, definitely want to know all your office tools, Excel, PowerPoint. Going to be using that a lot. Um, but that's 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 pretty much what I would. Uh, I think uh, Katie Nichols. She's pretty big in cyber threat intel, and she has a um, she has a pretty good piece on um, very extensive piece actually. If you uh, Google that. And and look that up on getting started in cyber threat intelligence. She has a it's like a complete framework on getting started and kind of getting started in the industry. Excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely Kate Kate Nichols, correct? I think think it's Katie Nichols. Katie Nichols. All right, I'll try to find that and that as well um, for listeners. Um, but I think if you Google her name and threat intel together, you should definitely find it. Okay, yeah, I think I think I see it. She has some blog articles, nickels, right? Like a nickel. Yep. Okay, yep. excellent. Yeah, K- Katie K A T I E nickels, like like a nickel with an S. Excellent. Um, I wanted to touch up on this. Uh, I guess since we're nearing the end, but um, you, you are you you said you're creating a course um, on on Udemy, and I wanted to touch on that a bit uh, just for our listeners. Uh, what made you want to make this course? Uh, what, what's it going to be about? Um, just, um, I'll back up. What made me want to make this course is, um, I have a lot of people asking questions on LinkedIn. Um, some people just want to ask advice on getting into cybersecurity. And I usually answer those questions and, and some individuals, they, they want to know about actually passing different certification exams. So I answer a lot of those questions daily. And I don't mind um, answering those questions, but I was like, um, let me give it a try. Maybe putting out a course that actually puts these tools, these tips, this philosophy, um, especially for people that really don't know how to study for different cybersecurity exams. So I just released, I think in um, the beginning of this month, month I released a um, how to crush any cyber exam on uh, Udemy. And basically, um, I, I don't claim to be this super instructor, but I did want to give back to, to the community because I know I'm asked, asked this question a lot. And I was like, let me just kind of think about the different areas where I've been successful and put all this together and put it in a course. Uh, the mentality, the motivation, uh, the tips, some of the tools you use for studying, practice tests, um, how, how that practice is important, uh, having a study schedule, having reminders to stay on that study schedule. Uh, I talk about hard commitment and hard commitment is basically paying, paying that money for the exam because that'll motivate you if you pay the money for it and putting a uh, scheduled date that forces you to commit. So 
just a course I, I put out to kind of give give back to the community. Excellent. Amazing. Um, hope to get that link soon and put put it in the show notes when this is released. Uh, definitely would like my, the listeners to, to get a hold of that and, and check that out, too. I guess rounding off, um, is there anything else you'd like to touch on um, that you know you believe aspiring cybersecurity professionals or anyone looking to transition in, into the field should know? Um, what I will say, and 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 when I say this, I want to say I'm not getting paid by LinkedIn, <laughs> but I do want to um, pitch LinkedIn as a great networking tool because what has been for my career. I, I can't even imagine just if, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, make sure you get a LinkedIn profile. Um, make sure you set it up professionally. Uh, get a good profile picture. Start with something basic. Um, and what I'll say is start reaching out to cybersecurity mentors and people in the industry um, because that's where it's been most useful to me, kind of finding mentors, finding um just like me and you just finding common peers within the industry, sharing information. Cause I mean, nobody is the smartest in cybersecurity. You always pick up knowledge. You always pick up resources. Uh, and the community just continues to grow and grow. And, and I'm, I'm proud of our community because everybody shares, everybody's open, everybody's friendly. Everybody wants to see everyone do well. I mean, I couldn't imagine being in a better situation. Uh, so I definitely, um, definitely push LinkedIn. Uh, and, and if you, if you're not a fan of LinkedIn, uh, just networking period, find a mentor. Um, always, I always stress setting up a home lab. If you're studying up, studying for certifications or you're just trying to get better at work. If you're diving into some problems, if you get lucky to get a job and you're diving into some problems and having, struggles at work of course you're going to ask co-workers you're going to try to you know uh figure out the best way but you can go home and set up a lab and when nobody's looking the pressure's off (laughs) (laughs) just practice and and just just kind of get in the lab and get that practice going to to get better so uh that would be my advice excellent excellent that's that's great to hear and um yeah i I definitely agree with, with linkedin um it's been a game changer for me as well in terms of meeting others. Um, I, I think it's it's a key differentiator and it can accelerate your career uh, positively if you use it the right way. Um, it's the only social media I use uh, because it yields results for my life and the people in my life too. So um, definitely good advice there on you know reaching out to people, um, asking questions, uh, because as much as as much information is online, I know they say we live in the information age, but there's nothing better than you know being being on boots on the ground and, and getting it from people in the industry. There's no better information um, that you can get because you you'll be able to pry into the questions or into the answers and, and get what you need. So um, that's, that's still a great resource, right? And I think people think that oh, we have anything on everything online, we can learn anything we want to. That's true. But the people that could help you or how you learn to use that information is really within um, individuals because they'll let you know what not to do, what to do, their mistakes. Uh, People are still a great resource. And uh, that's definitely an understatement on how important LinkedIn is. So I'm really glad you touched upon that. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's um, that's all I have for today. But I, I really do appreciate your time, George. Uh, we'll definitely uh, put links to your socials in the description, especially your Udemy course, um, your Audible books as well, uh, your LinkedIn, and and yeah, thank you so much for your time. Oh, no problem, Io. I definitely uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Enjoyed it. Excellent, excellent. You have a great day now. All right, you too.